0: tonight on ATT Business, the US and European Union both putting more financial pressure on Russia as it attacks Ukraine. This time they are going after Russian President Vladimir Putin. The conflict pushing prices even higher. From the gas station to your local supermarket, we took a look at what could get even more expensive. And a landmark opioid settlement, J&J and 3 distributors finalized deals, clearing the way for billions of dollars to help fight the opioid crisis. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Good evening and welcome. I'm Evelyn Lee sitting in for Paul Graney. Good to have you with us. Day two of the war in Ukraine Russian troops trying to take Ukraine's capital, Kiev, a city of three million people, while well, Ukraine orders national mobilization. Tens of thousands of people have fled, explosions and gunfire rocked major cities. Dozens have been reported killed. U.S. officials believe Russia's initial aim is to topple the Ukrainian president Volodymyr Zelensky and decapitate his government. But Zelensky vowed to stay in Kiev. He also pleaded with the international community to do more, saying sanctions announced so far are not enough. Meanwhile, thousands of Ukrainians are piling into cars and trains, fleeing to bordering countries as Ukraine closed down its airspace for civilian flights. Many companies with exposure to Ukraine and Russia are seeing disruptions in operations. Airlines taking steps to reroute flights after Ukraine closed its airspace. Multiple cruise lines also bypassing the ports in Ukraine and Russia. Companies are halting operations, including Coca-Cola, shutting its bottling plant. And UPS and FedEx are suspending services in and out of of the country. European carmakers, including Volkswagen and Renault, also halted production due to part shortages. World leaders are looking to inflict more financial pain on Russia since military actions off the table for now. United States just announced its imposing sanctions on Vladimir Putin and Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, after the European Union agreed to freeze their assets earlier. Latvia's foreign minister announced the news on Twitter. He said it's part of a second round of EU sanctions and they're working on a third. The first round targeted Russian lawmakers and individuals freezing assets and banning sanctioned elites from traveling through the EU. Yesterday, the U.S. announced also sanctions targeting four major banks and Russian elites. Joining me now to discuss the Russia sanctions is Brett Johnson, CEO of Santiago Capital. Welcome, Brent. Welcome, Brent. Thanks for having me. And you said recently that many believe there is nothing the U.S. can do to counter Russia, but you don't necessarily agree on that, and you think that the government does have some more cards up their sleeves. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Sure. I mean, I think there's this popular narrative out there that the the United States and the West is on the decline, and Russia and China are on the rise, and that you know, we've kind of lost our way and we don't have the resources and the reputation that we used to have. And I think that's fair. There's some truth to that. Uh, But at the end of the day, the United States is still the global hegemon. They are still the global superpower. So to think that they're helpless and don't have any tricks up their sleeve and don't have any resources that they can draw on, I think is a little naive. And I I think we're going to find out what those are here in the next uh, weeks and months. Uh,
0: The U.S. imposed sanctions, banned exports, among other things. And Europe is also halting the Nord Stream too, so that leaves China. Do you think the regime could be the one that throws Russia a lifeline?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Russia and China, I don't think that they're as close as many other observers think that they are. I think it's kind of a marriage of convenience as much as anything. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Russia and China are both trying to dominate the, the Asian continent. And while they are happy to partner up together in the short term, I don't think that they want to be necessarily allies in the long term. But you know, when when they're up against the United States in the West, I, I think that they that they will use each other others resources. Uh, I have no doubt that China will try to throw Russia a lifeline and, and help them out. Uh, but I I'm not sure how successful it will be. I, you know, I, I'm not naive enough to think that China and Russia together aren't a formidable foe. Of course they are. Uh, But the idea that they can just all of a sudden walk over all over the West and the West has no response to them I I think is a is a is a miscalculation on many people's part
0: Yeah, And going back to the sanctions um, with putting the Nord Stream 2 on hold in Europe and talks about kicking Russia off swift What kind of risks will both sides and I mean the US and Russia be looking at economically if that happens I mean how possible are these kind of sanctions?
1: Well, I mean it's it's a real risk and you know You'd, considering all the problems we've had with inflationary pressures over the last, call it, 12 to 24 months and with the supply chains and with COVID, to then throw a military conflict on top of it or, or at a minimum, you know, geopolitical tensions, that doesn't exactly help the supply chain problems. You know, typically war military engagements are an inflationary period, you know, whether it's supply constraints or demand gets, you know, diverted to the government rather than the private market that needs it uh you know military conflict is typically inflationary so i, I think i think the the pain will be felt all around um, i don't think this is something that's going to be resolved in the next couple of weeks and, and you're going to have a you know a few days here and there and a few weeks here and there where things calm down and it doesn't like it looks like everything's over but i think that this is far from over and, and i i think the 2022 is going to be a very volatile year
0: and in terms of sanctions and um the next steps. What do you think will happen in the next couple of months?
1: Well, I I actually think that this will escalate to the level where Swift will be denied to Russia. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want that to happen. I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go about it. But I just don't think that this is going to go away. Uh, you know, I think Vladimir Putin. I mean. He's getting a little bit older, right? He's not as young as he used to be. Um, You know, there are some questions around his health, whether he's as healthy as as he always was. And I think he kind of feels like this is his time, and it's kind of now or never. So I I don't think that he's going to back off. Um, And so the question is, is how strongly does the West react to him? Um, There's no question in my mind that he can inflict pain on the West. Whether he can overrun them, I think, is a completely other question. Um, So I I think that, uh, again, I think that the rhetoric and not only the rhetoric, but the actual actions will escalate over 2022. Um, I do think that I think it will cause Russia economic pain. I don't think that they are going to just be able to do whatever they want without having any any problems, both externally and internally. You know, you've seen protests in both St. Petersburg, Moscow and some other Russian cities. You know, Putin is a very popular person within Russia, but not everybody loves him. Right? There is some, not everybody wants to go to war. And, you know, to the extent that pain starts to be felt by the average Russian, and as it starts to get felt by the oligarchs who maybe can't move as freely, and, you know, some of their wealth starts to get tied up in either courts or litigation or restrictions or whatever it is, you know, it's possible that Putin's internal support starts to wane a little bit. Uh, we've seen that same thing happen in the West. To think that it can't happen in Russia, I think, would be naive. So it's going to be really interesting how this plays out. But uh, I think that it will escalate from here and not de-escalate from here.
0: All right, Brent Johnson, Santiago Capital, really appreciate your insights. Thanks for having me. Along with the physical invasion, Russia has launched numerous cyber attacks on Ukraine, and this is adding to the chaos. Entities fake quarter has more.
2: Russia has launched an onslaught of cyber attacks on Ukraine, and they fall into two big categories DDoS attacks and wiper malware.
1: The DDoS attack simply is just flooding uh, uh, the websites with a lot of junk traffic to the point where the websites can't even be accessed.
2: Cybersecurity expert Scott Schober says these attacks are used in conjunction with the physical invasion.
1: They're going to throw them in a sense a curveball to the Ukrainians by now also disrupting the government's websites, their banking sites, which sends everything into a tailspin and a lot of confusion, because now suddenly people can't communicate through their websites, they can't get information, they can't get news.
2: This causes chaos because we're very dependent on technology. And the second type is wiper malware.
3: Once they activate that malware, it wipes the data off the computer so they can no longer use information or communicate correctly.
2: Cybersecurity expert Casey Fleming says this type of malware is usually sent through email. Experts say the malware was on hundreds of computers all over the country. Meanwhile, Ukraine says hackers from Belarus, a country that neighbors both Ukraine and Russia are also launching an onslaught of cyber attacks on them. And hacker group Anonymous has declared a cyber war against Russia. Cybersecurity expert Brian Horning says they're a group of vigilante hackers who uh, are just private
3: citizens around the world who decide to get together and use their hacking skills.
2: Anonymous has disabled several Russian government websites so far, including the Russia Today news organization. Fake Quarter NTD News
0: Over 4 million dollars worth of donations have been funneled into Ukraine using cryptocurrency that's according to new data from blockchain analysis firm Elliptic. The company says since earlier this month donations to Ukraine have soared as Russian troops mass near the border. One volunteer group called Comeback Alive received a single donation of 3 million dollars in Bitcoin today. But it's unclear who made the donation as bitcoin and other crypto can be sent and received anonymously comeback alive is based in kiev the group says it provides a variety of supplies to ukraine's army including drones and sniper rifle scopes cryptocurrencies like bitcoin are playing a more and more important role in online fundraising since they can bypass financial institutions when sending money U.S. stocks ended up sharply for the second day in a row today. The Dow rose 835 points, or 2.5%. The S&P 500 gained 96 points, or 2.2%, while the Nasdaq gained 221 points, or 1.6%. Oil prices fell a day after they briefly topped $100 per barrel. What's the price you have to pay when there's a war going on? From the gas pump to the supermarket, prices have already gone up in the past year and now they may rise even higher.
4: Russia and Ukraine at war. Gas prices are already on the way up. An average cost of $3.50 per gallon. It's almost an entire dollar more than last year.
0: I mean, this is, this is insane. Five, $5 a gallon. Gas would be the major one that would go up.
4: We caught up with New Yorker Rachel, who just bought a new car. She's surprised to see gas prices up so much since the last time she purchased gas.
0: Uh, It was $50 and it is $81 today. Maybe I'm going to have to sell my car and stop buying gas.
4: Global oil prices jumped to over $105 per barrel Thursday. The highest it has been since 2014.
2: The restaurants expensive,
3: Um, nail salons expensive. Everywhere is expensive.
4: Both Russia and Ukraine are top exporters of wheat, and the conflict has pushed wheat prices to their highest
3: level since 2012. The Russian crisis, will exacerbate inflation and uncertainty.
4: Elliot Moskowitz is CEO of premium kosher meat merchant Prairie Street Prime.
3: People are always gonna raise prices because they don't know what's gonna happen in the future.
4: Moskowitz said he's already trying to keep his prices as low as possible while offering his premium product. Sean Marshall, NTD News, New York.
0: Burger King's chicken nugget meal will be reduced from 10 nuggets to eight. The fast food giant says that this will help offset inflation, though the cost of the meal will stay the same. Some of Burger King's rivals have taken similar actions recently. Drug maker Johnson & Johnson and three major distributors finalized nationwide settlements today over their role in the opioid crisis. The announcement clears a way for $26 billion to flow to nearly every state and local government in the U.S. Taken together, the settlements are the largest to date among cases related to opioids. J&J and the distributors announced the settlement plan last year. But they had to get a large number of state and local governments to participate. None of the settlement money will go directly to victims of opioid addiction, but the vast majority of it has to be used to deal with the crisis. For the Target shoppers out there, Target has updated its mask policy. Now customers and workers at most Target stores don't have to wear masks any longer. But it also depends on local regulations because some areas may still force stores to require masks. Target has nearly 2,000 stores in the United States and employs about 350,000 workers. It imposed the mask mandate last August in counties labeled high risk for COVID-19 transmission by the CDC. Around 80% of the country still falls under that. Other large retailers have also eased mask mandates in recent weeks. China's Alibaba is reporting its slowest-ever increase in quarterly revenue since going public in 2014. Tebit growth in its core e-commerce business and more competition are eating into sales. Francis McGuire reports.
5: Alibaba reported its slowest-ever rise in quarterly revenue on Thursday. It rose about 10% to just over $38 billion over the October-December quarter, below analyst projections. It was a sign the slowing Chinese economy has hurt the e-commerce giant, with consumers saving up and spending less. The warning signs were clear in November when one of Alibaba's major events, Singles Day, reported record low sales growth. Alibaba also faces more pressure from rivals like TikTok owner ByteDance in the e-commerce space. It all adds to pressure on the firm as it deals with a large restructuring imposed by Chinese authorities, who stopped its $37 billion initial public offering in late 2020. In better news for Alibaba, international commerce was up almost by a fifth, while local consumer services were up 27% on a year before.
0: Still to come, two Honda models being investigated for emergency braking issues. We have the details. And a giant Australian Opal sells for six figures at an auction in Alaska. We have the family story that goes along with it. That and much more coming up in just a moment. Arizona businesses and stadium workers are bracing for a major economic impact as spring training hangs in the balance. The state hosts spring training for 15 teams. If Major League Baseball and players can't reach a deal by Monday, MLB says opening day will be delayed and regular season games will be cancelled. And this is what one business manager in Arizona has to say.
1: A bunch of billionaires fighting over millions and then the rest of the people that rely on that are all being impacted and that's, I think, the, the hardest part about that is that it's a bunch of super rich people that are impacting the, the rest of our lives.
0: Thursday marked the fourth day in a row of bargaining between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association. Right now the two sides are meeting daily in an effort to reach an agreement that will end the lockout. The Arizona Cactus League says the season brings an influx of 1.8 million visitors, with 6 out of 10 coming out of state. Baseball's opening day is March 31st. Partying hard or hardly partying? Miami Beach officials are hoping it's somewhere in the middle this spring break. Miami Beach City commissioners voted this week to prohibit the sale and consumption of alcohol after 2 a.m., that means South Beach bars will shut down the taps three hours early. That's from March 7th through the 21st. City officials are looking at a couple of things. One, they're hoping to move cuts, move cuts down on tourists' heavy drinking. And two, they say it'll free a police during their big tourism boom. The decision comes on the heels of a sloppy spring break last year when the area was inundated with tourists. The city had to impose a nighttime curfew, and a major highway was shut down because people started getting rowdy, and there and were, there were clashes with police. A huge opal that made its journey from Australia to the United States has been sold at auction for over $143,000. it is Andrew Thomas has more.
6: Alaska auctioneer Nick Klein received a call out of the blue last October. A man said he had one of the world's largest opals and wanted to auction it off. Uh,
3: Turns out he was correct. Um, He pulled out of his closet this impressive 12,000-carat opal, along with provenance documents outlining its entire history, um, gave me the family story. And um, suspicion quickly turned to a realization that we were dealing with something extremely important
6: dubbed americus australis it's the sister gem to the even larger olympic australis named after the summer olympic games held in australia in 1956. Uh,
3: the family story was that this opal was found in 1956 in the eight mile opal fields of Pedy, australia um, it was purchased shortly thereafter by oltman and Shurney and associates a uh, long-standing um, opal dealer in south australia as part of a larger parcel that also included the largest gem-quality opal in the world.
6: The smaller of the two made its way to America, where Fred von Brandt's grandfather purchased it.
3: So, as you'll see, um, the stone itself is accompanied by a pendant of approximately 118 carats that was cut by the fourth generation family somewhere along the line with the intention that the ultimate final owner of the stone would wear it around their neck as a memento.
6: The gem was offered at auction on Sunday, with an opening bid set at $125,000. It sold for nearly $144,000. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: If you own a Honda CRV or a Honda Accord, you might want to listen to this. There have been more than 270 complaints about brake issues. And now the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is investigating. Six of those complaints involve crashes and minor injuries. This is for CRVs from 2017 to 2019 and the 2018 to 2019 Accords. The concern has to do with the automatic emergency brakes, with reports that the braking can happen unnecessarily without the driver touching the brake pedal. It's not clear if this problem could affect other Honda models or yours. A new kind of robot that will follow you around the store, carry your groceries and even act as a seat if you need a break is undergoing testing in the uk Entity's andrew thomas has more on that
6: Jita is a new concept in aid for the elderly its makers hope it will become a common sight in shopping and town centers in the future
0: jita is a first-of-a-kind uh, carrying uh, following robots i think following is the key word here because it's a robot that instead of something you step on or a vehicle that you step on it's literally just following you And it does it very well. GITA,
6: Italian for short trip, is made by robotics company Piaggio Fast Forward, and backed by the Piaggio group, famous for the Vespa scooter. The robot's onboard cameras use recognition technology to pair with a person, and can carry up to 39 pounds of cargo in a lockable storage bin.
0: it would be great to have something to carry your shop and have your hands free, particularly if it's a bad day and you're dealing with an umbrella and your phone and your purse and things, and somewhere
1: to store it safely, your stuff, and um,
3: handy to have something to sit on if you, you've had enough.
6: The testing is part of a project by the Design Age Institute, part of the Royal College of Art. They're trying to develop commercially viable products that will help people maintain active and joyful lives at any age. Cheetah is already on the market at a cost of just under $3,000, or about $100 a month. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And that's the latest business updates for today. You can catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and Paul Graney will be back on Monday. I'm Evelyn Lee filling in. Thanks for watching, and have a great weekend.